first base and he scores. Brad Davis, first goal for Sporting KC after years of scoring against him, puts him in front against Toronto. Gonna be some screaming and yelling about this. Brad Davis, was that a foul? Welcome to episode 42 of Come On You Reds, the TorontoFC.ca podcast. My name is Devang Desai, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Gareth Wheeler. Wheels, how's it going? What's up, Devang? You got a week where you're not traveling all week. Like, have you... Yeah. Do you feel grounded? Feel It's nice to be home. Definitely uh, not the greatest weather, but just in general, nice a nice weekend to unwind. Although we have Toronto FC starting up with their season opener against the Red Bulls. Red Bulls 2, sorry, at Red Bull Arena, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. But yeah, just kind of reassessing where this team is at through three weeks. 1-1-1. One, one, one. Mm-hmm. Four points through three games. Really hard done by in, in Kansas Really City. hard done by. But overall... I think you can. You have to be pretty pleased with the way they looked. Do you think that was their best performance of the year in Kansas City? The in, one in game terms, where they didn't pick up a point. In terms of execution, I would think so. Yeah, I think like the Red Bulls game was more of a tale of them finding a way to win, even when they weren't playing their best. Mm-hmm. New York City FC was not playing very well in the first half, and to respond to that. But in the the Kansas City game, they were in the entire game, and they they had arguably the better chances. Subasa Endo probably should have scored when he was put through by Seba. In the great se- save. Great save. That was, Melia, Melia did a great job, but you would think that call minutes before Justin Morrow was uh, dispossessed by Brad Davis, Don Dwyer tried to do the same thing and was called for a foul. Yeah. And then minutes later, we see the same thing happen and nothing. So I think that's why there is legitimate claims. There's legitimate claims to be like, hey, maybe this wasn't actually a ball-winning opportunity, and maybe he did not foul him. But if you saw the call made minutes beforehand, you would expect the same mm-hmm. call to be made again. I'll get to that in a moment. Okay. okay. I like how you said dispossessed, by the way. <laughs> You're being so polite. Uh, but over just in terms of the overall performance, TFC was in control. They, they were controlling the match. Dom Dwyer was... Not effective. Like, you you didn't notice him on the field. He had 19 touches on the ball the entire game. That's wild. He made wild. six passes. And I thought that the midfield three of Michael, Benny, and uh, and Will, like, they completely dominated the middle of the park. Like, and, and maybe not in terms of territory, because they give up some space because that's how you're playing. You're playing more defensive during these away games. But they didn't give up anything. Like most of our was like passing the ball backwards and laterally the, the entire first half. Yeah. And I just thought down the middle, like through the spine, Toronto FC was so strong. And I think you said it, like the game plan was executed to perfection. And that's against a, a team that's going to be a contender in the Western Conference. I thought they played very, very well. Hundred percent. I think I think I predicted them to make the Western Conference final on this show a couple episodes ago, but it definitely wasn't the prettiest game. And I think no. that was a lot of people were like, "Well, if this is the way we're going to play aesthetically, it's not really pleasing." But I'm like, "No, I think this is the way they're going to play on the road. Yep. This is not the same team you're going to see at BMO Field." And last year, I thought far too many times this team did try to kind of play their brand of football everywhere they went, and sometimes it worked, but sometimes they lined up. And it just wasn't a good idea. And these are like unusual circumstances, Devang. Like eight straight away. No other team in MLS has to go through this. 
So a pragmatic approach, like, listen, if you're going to complain about it, get used to it until the first week of May. Because this is the type of football that you're going to see. Now, they're going to be playing some softer competition, at least in my eyes, in the coming weeks. So maybe you'll see a little bit more expansive play. But I think this is fine. And if you understand that they went to Kansas City without starting center back in Drew Moore. Yeah. They went without Jonathan Azorio. They went without Altidore in the starting 11. <laughs> like, and to really control the match and give up nothing when it comes to, to overall match play against Sporting Kansas City, I thought it was great. And, and I give the coaching staff and the players a lot of credit for buying in, digging deep, and kind of going against their nat- natural intuition, which is to just kind of play a more loose, expansive brand of football. I think you saw it last year against Orlando when they really needed a win. They came in 1-4, and four mm. and they had been playing that kind of devil-may-care football, and it was burning them. But they came to Orlando with a very specific game plan of flat 4-4-2, and you saw them get a huge result. Yeah. Greg started this year, I think, with that in mind, tactically being sound, being defensively sound, and stealing your chances. So for me, that's one of the biggest positives. Outside of how the individual players are playing, I think what Greg has done to adjust and kind of change his ways a bit in the second mm-hmm. year is very promising. So I, I have no no qualms with that. Shout out to Josh. Yeah, Williams. Like, and, 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 I, and I wrote about this. The center half position has been a problem spot for years. Like as long as yeah. I can remember. Yeah. Every year. It's, you know, there's been some good players at the position, but overall you haven't found the right mix. thought him and Damian were great. When you throw Drew into the equation, you have three guys who can absolutely hold their own, find some chemistry, and be a strong duo in the middle of the park. And that is huge for this team. thought Josh was very good. Uh, what do you think about Moba Bully's debut? I thought he was lively. Yeah. Like he, I think he tried to force things a little bit too much. It's his MLS debut. There, were a, couple, there were a couple there. shots where I think he would have been the first to hit. But that's like, okay. Uh, yeah. Like, what, what, yeah. do you, what do you expect? It's a player's MLS exactly. professional... Like, you know, MLS debut, It's it, it was important for him. And I, I just think that Kansas City did a really nice job of killing off the match. It was funny, like I was sitting there calling the game in the radio booth, and you saw as soon as the ball went out of bounds, the ball boys wouldn't throw the ball back, like the players would stay down. It was, yeah. it was just textbook killing of the clock. And when Greg changed the formation, I mean, sometimes it's hard to kind of just immediately gain traction. And they got their opportunity. A seven free kick, 23, 24 yards out in the final minute of time added on. like, And that ball at eyes for the corner. The the wall did the job. So I give Kansas City credit for holding in there. Josie added a spark as well. I Mm -hmm. thought coming, being a big body in the center of the box is something that this team is missing. And I think that's something that he definitely brings to the table. They added the jolt and that's what you wanted to see. We we chatted in the elevator after the game and he said he feels good. Which, which is good going off on international duty. Hopefully he returns from yeah. the U.S. Uh, double against Guatemala, feeling great for uh, next weekend where they play the Colorado Rapids, so homecoming for Clinton Drew. Before we turn the page on yeah. this morning Kansas City can, game... Can we talk about the moment? Sure. Because this is when games are won and lost. And overall, Boldemiro Toledo, I thought he had a pretty good game for 70 minutes. Like, I wouldn't have given... Shea Rue, the yellow card for his challenge. I thought it was yeah, more clumsy. Was a bit dubious. Yeah, but you know that what? was the one moment. Uh, if if uh, a poor decision on a yellow card, you kind of move on with it, right? Sure. But that penalty was egregious. It was flat out wrong. 
Uh, I thought Justin did a really nice job getting his body between the ball and the player. And when you do that, 9 out of 10 times, this was 9.9 out of 10 times, you're going to get the call. Yeah. And, and you pointed it out that the similar play happened moments before. But the fact that the linesman nor the referee got it, and I think the linesman was out of position. This is my biggest thing. I don't even, I don't even hold Toledo to blame as much as the linesman in that situation because he was out of position. Like and, he, he, and he was he making was, calls all game. He was. And he was there. Like He, he was the one who, who whistled wire for the foul on J-Mo. So where was he? That was my big and like the way the press box lines up, it's right on yep. the touch line. So like you have a pretty good view of that that end of the and the where stadium. I was was a little bit towards right. the Toronto FC end. So the first thing I looked for was the line, and he was not there. And this is and meanwhile Davis is celebrating because they had just scored the goal. So I mean, full credit to them for keep playing. And like, I, if the shoes were on the other feet, I would be like, oh, you know what? These are the breaks. But it's unfortunate to me that. And I think Michael Michael Bradley said this well. He's like, you would imagine that if he makes that call, it is forgotten. Mm-hmm. It's just another play that happens. We saw it a few minutes before. If he makes that call, it's over, done with. But because he does not make that call, it's all anyone can talk about. And he dominates the conversation of the game. Yeah. And for a referee, that's definitely the last thing you want to do is it, be the main conversation, right? If, so if that's a 50-50 ball and you see a guy go down like that, error on the side of caution. 100%. Because you know that you're gifting 100%. him that. It's about it, it, this is the thing with Toledo, and, and and I don't mind pointing him out in this situation because we saw a week ago Alan Kelly made the wrong call. And he owned it on the handball. He owned it, yeah. and he managed the game, and it wasn't a problem. Toledo loses control of matches because he lets his I don't know if it's ego or incompetence or whatever it is. He lets it get in the way, and and and. Listen, I'm not picking on because I think that Times is a decent referee, but look at critical moments in matches. And this isn't Gareth Wheeler speaking. This is his resume. He's handed out 73 red cards in 209 career MLS games. <laughs> That's a red card less than every once three, every three games. Three games, yeah. Like, we've all watched football over the course of our lives. Just doesn't that seem a little bit, that number seem a little bit high to you? I didn't know. That's hilarious. What? (laughs) What? I was, I was, because I was looking at the media guy before the game because I was like, you know, I want to make sure that I do him justice. And at the same time, again, I thought Toledo had a good game. Yeah. Then there was that moment. And then the makeup call. Yeah. Against Roger Espinosa. Like, and I watched it, and there was better replays on the American broadcast than the Canadian broadcast. And, Again, a clumsy challenge. Maybe a yellow. Maybe no one would have complained, but a straight red. What? And it just reeked of a makeup call. And something needs to be done in moments like that. I know our good friend Kurt Larson is continues to bring up the fact that instant replay should be brought into the league. I'm I'm kind of not for that. I'm kind of old school that way. But top referees. I mean. We discuss this every year when it comes to MLS officiating. And again, this isn't me talking. You speak to players around the league, and they'll tell you calls like that that are made are so MLS. Yeah. They'll, they'll say that, and that's a problem, Vic, because the quality of play in this league is really good right now, and you want the refereeing to match that as close as possible. It'd be one thing if it was uh, one goal, one game, sorry, a week where you're like, oh man, that game really changed because right. of referee's decision. But there's usually at least a couple. And I know this is not, I don't know, I watch a lot of other football and I don't I don't really see that happen that much. It's anymore. once in a while. Yeah, so 
Just think it's about that. A red yeah, card once wild. in every less it's than wild. three games. I tweeted out before, like, as the game was starting, maybe like five minutes before, and I'm like, and today's official, just for fans that like, wanted to know, it's Paul, it's Toledo. Knowing that, like, that would be a, a bit of a talking point because TFC fans have a long history with Toledo, and, of right. course, it ended up coming back to bite them. But, but look at this. Just just think, put this in, in, in TFC context here. They give up a goal that should have never been against New York City FC. So they could have come away with three points rather than one. And then that non-call against Sporting Kansas City means conceding a goal. We're, it's a game that you look primed to pick up a point. You come away with nothing. So there, you could see a swing of three points already this season. And points are valuable in terms of seeding, where you're at, whether you have home field advantage or not, come playoff time. That's why it matters. Yeah. Everyone's human. Toledo makes mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. I, I can totally appreciate that. He is human. But at a time like that, I just don't think that he managed the game properly. And, that, and that's what I have a, big, the, a, a bigger problem with. At the end of last season, Bill Manning said he wanted to see the team take eight points from the first eight games. I think those projections internally have changed a bit, and it looks like it's ten points from eight games. They have four through three, six points through five games. Very doable. Very doable. And like you said, Colorado, Colorado, New England, D.C., Montreal, Portland. I think the next game's a, uh, like a should one. win. It's a big one, and it's a big one for for Clint and Drew to go back yep. home, and for a Colorado Rapids team that's adding some big names, but they won't be available for that game. So. How about that, Timmy Howard, two point yeah. nine million dollars? We'll talk about that the, next the, week. The, sorry, the, I just want to bring it up. The, the just well, it's off the on the top of my head. Like that's more than combined the All starting the goalkeepers from last year. year. That's that's wild. Great stat, but they need to get some people in those seats. So your top red. My top red. Oof. Hmm. I'm going with Josh Williams. And I, and I brought him up because of the moment, because that was the biggest question heading into the game, yeah. was how they would deal with the, with the loss of Drew Moore. And I thought he rose to the challenge. I'll even give a co-shout out to Damien, because I, I, I thought he was great too. I'll Both take, of them. I'll take Burkees if you okay. take Williams. Sure. Damien's been... Exactly what you needed from your center yep. back throughout three games. Played every minute too. Went down with a bit of a knock against SKC, but he managed to battle through it. So that's an excellent sign and a nice week off for him as we get into the grind of the end of the road trip. This week we have something a little different coming up. Our friend Clayton Hansler, the mastermind behind All for One, TFC's great documentary series, was able to sit down with Mole and Babuli this week just to talk about his life before he knew he was going to become a professional because this is a very late stage in his in his life did Mo know that he was going to become a professional player and then make his MLS debut. So he's got a, a very interesting story. Clay sat down with him this week, so we'll have audio from that. And then to wrap things up, a gigantic, gigantic weekend for Canada soccer as they take on Mexico at BC Place. So we'll tee that up. All that coming to you next on Come On You Reds. This is Michael Bradley, and you're listening to Come On You Reds. Follow the club on Twitter, at TorontoFC, and use hashtag TFCLive to follow the action on game days. And we're back to Come On You Reds. As I alluded to before the break, Clayton Hansler, the producer, creator, and just general mastermind behind All For One, the TFC documentary series, sat down with Moba Bully to talk about his long road to the first team and 
it's quite the story. So we're going to throw to that. That's Clay and Mo sitting down to have a chat at the Kia training ground. You know, what did little, you know, knee-high Mo want to do? Where were you running around? What were you up to? So growing up, it was uh, it was really just playing in parks and, and wherever I could play. Uh, nothing organized. Um, from my from my family side, it was more education. Um, that's why we moved here. So, uh, so yeah, just playing in parks. Um, we lived across the school that I went to for high school, which is uh, T.L. Kennedy in Mississauga. Um, and so, even at a young age, I would go down and I'd just kick the ball against the wall, and that was my favorite thing to do. Um, you know, the guys that have known me for that long will tell you that. Uh, ironically, I end up going to the same school, and you know I continued to do it. Um, whenever I went to the grocery store for my mom or whatever, there was always a ball with me. So uh, I even got my little brother into it. He used to come down with me and whatnot. But yeah, it was, it was just playground stuff. It was nothing, nothing organized. Uh, then one day when I was playing with my little brother, actually, uh, there's a little field, a fenced field, by my house called Brickyard uh, and we jumped the field because there was a mesh and you know we always got excited for that and there was another team training on the other side they were missing players so they sent one of the kids over and said hey you want to come train with us so I go and I start training with them uh, I impressed so they're like hey you want to come play with us so at that point it was just like I don't know what to do because my dad's against him. Mom is like, whatever, she's in the middle. Um, how do I do this? So uh, I told, at the beginning, I didn't tell anyone. And I just, I would go train with them. No games, just train, um, whatever. And obviously you have to pay for soccer here. It's not like in Europe or anywhere else. So um, they wouldn't let me pay. They, they let me train for a bit and whatnot. And then I think when we had the close games, I would go with them. Until one time there was a trip in Windsor and they really needed me, so I had to tell my parents. And it was, uh, it was mixed, it was mixed feelings about it. So uh, yeah, it started there. Actually that team was Mississauga Falcons, but I, I was playing like two years up. And then grade seven and eight, I went to school at Queen Elizabeth and um, funny story, uh, this guy I got into an argument with, fight, whatever, um, he ended up playing for the team that I played at, and when we were solving the problem, um, his dad kind of helped me uh, go to play for Dixie and, you know, and take care of me that way and drive me to games and stuff like that because my dad was working overseas and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how it started at Dixie. Um, and I played there for four years, five years. Uh, again, I only started soccer at like 12. So, so yeah, Dixie. And then my coach always had a, a passion for sending kids over to scholarships. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have the marks to go to Division One, So I went to junior college for a year, did well there, came back. And then that's when I went to Sheridan. So you're, you're in this tussle, you're in this argument, this disagreement with a kid that ended up being on your team. And 
it ended up being his dad you said that helped you out and got you into Dixie and then it would drive you back and forth. So what happened was uh, this kid, his name's Colin, Colin Woods, um, his dad Les. They, we, played, we ended up playing on the same school team uh, for Queen Elizabeth and we won the whole thing. Um, but he was saying, uh, because we, came, we became friends after. And uh, so he was like, oh, why are you playing for Miss Saga? Come play for our age. We have a good team, this and that. So I ended up going. Actually, my first tryout, I didn't have, I didn't have cleats yet. So I was playing in basketballs, basketball shoes. And it was funny because I was slipping and sliding, but I was, you know, they, they realized what I had. So um, you know, it just started there. My brother-in-law bought me my first pair of cleats, and yeah, it went from there. <laughs> Do you remember the move? Do you remember your family's move over here? You said it was the education. I was, was a big part I was of three it. and a half. I was three and a half. I was I was pretty young. Um, I still wasn't in, like back home. There's like uh, preschool for that age. But when I was here, I was at the beginning. I was at home, sitting at home. Um, and I started from you know junior kindergarten, senior kindergarten, just all the way through. Kept going. Yeah. Do you? But your dad remained... Do you mind if I ask what your dad does no, for work? Um, he's a he, microbiologist. Um, he did a bit of teaching as well, so uh, he was all over. Uh, he, he found some work here, but it's all like... A lot of those jobs are contract jobs. So if there was nothing here, we'd find a contract job somewhere else. And yeah, he's just traveling the world. Right now, he's uh, back home in UAE. Um, he's trying to work something with a couple of his buddies, so... Um, yeah, but he's always been in and out, in and out, in and out. So, what was that? First of all, can you explain the the work? Okay, microbiology. I, I I could probably take a stab as to what I think it is, but I bet you the work is actually way different than than what I imagined in my head. So, can, can you give me a little bit of insight? I from I'll tell you from what I know what it is, but I, I'm not too sure myself. But it's like um, diseases and 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 trying to find certain solutions. Um, he's worked in like vet labs and stuff like that. So the diseases that happen from um, certain things that animals do, whatever, stuff like that. So your dad has a great deal of responsibility, it sounds like, especially if, you know, he has a family located in one place and he has to travel all over for work. Yeah. Uh, he's no doubt dedicated, right? Because anyone who has to put in that much schooling uh, is and I know that you said that was important. Your family it shows a level of dedication, and he's no doubt hardworking, and that's why it's what's carried him from contract to contract throughout the world. Are these three qualities you'd kind of say have been passed on to you? Because well, I see I see these glimmers of all three things in you. I I guess you could say that there's similarities. Um, his is in a different aspect um again he's he was all for education so uh i don't know how many different diplomas and degrees he might have gotten but uh, i know it's cut a, quite a few um i feel like anyone anyone's motivation can be uh towards something but like they've got to they've got to put it towards what they want to do and uh, i i feel like um, you saying that about me is it, it's it's good that you can see it, but I feel like if you look at anybody in the world, you could say that um, doesn't matter what they're doing. Um, you know, you, from someone that's on the streets to you know Bill Gates or or whoever. 
I, and I agree with you, but I think, I believe it takes a certain kind of person to act on that motivation because I've met people in my life who have given up on what they wanted and just taken what's easy. Yeah. And then I've met people in my life that didn't start playing until they're 12. And then it's not like they, they started with a pair of cleats, they were in basketball shoes and they worked themselves up and they stuck to it. It's an, it, 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 in one way is its own education process but in another way, there's uh, there's something within you that just drives it forward. Yeah, uh, definitely. I I agree with that, one hundred percent. But uh, I guess I guess my my way of wanting to do things was different than certain people. And for me, it was I tried other things and I didn't enjoy it. And not that I couldn't have been successful, or I just didn't want to. And um, I didn't want to be one of those people where I'm doing something for the rest of my life and I don't enjoy it or I'm not happy or whatever. So I just, you know, decided to just follow my heart, I guess, as, as cheesy as that sounds. This is Benoit Cheroux and you're listening to Come On Your Words. New Reds episode 42. Thank you so much to Clay and Mo for that very enlightening sit down interview. Uh, Clay has a real knack for getting a lot of the players that most people do not. So it's uh, it's a pleasure to have him able to help us out on the podcast this week. Wheels. I don't think there's been a bigger game since definitely not since eight one the massacre in, in Honduras. This Friday night's game between Canada and Mexico. As the Canadian men's national team looked to qualify for the Hex for the first time since the late 90s, a result here goes a long way, a real long way into getting this team back into a place where they can actually realistically see themselves. Are you a believer? I am. I am. You know what? I think they, obviously the gulf in talent between Mexico and Canada is still pretty high, and, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of Mexico players who are very important contributors on their teams in the Champions League and the Europa League, so mm-hmm. I don't don't disagree there. But Canada is no longer just a, a ragtag crew of unattached FC members. I think there's a lot of guys playing some quality football on some quality teams, and they've bought into what Benito wants to do. It's it's very similar, and you brought this up before as well. You wanted you wanted Toronto FC to play like Canada, kind of, and I think they're kind Which of sounds so yeah, weird. but they're mirroring each other a bit because that the way that Greg has lined up his team is the way we've seen Benito kind of be in a very pragmatic approach. So well, that's the one that's the one word that I, comes to mind when I think about Mexico Canada pragmatic. Do not try and go out there. In front of your uh, 50,000 plus people, which is going to be a madhouse, but do not try and go out there and be something you're not. And I don't think they will. I think they have too many veterans, too many guys who know themselves well, far too well to do that. They have a well-defined system. Yeah. And I, I, I just remember after the Gold Cup how many critics Benito had. Because the team couldn't score a goal. <laughs> they, they couldn't score a goal, right? Like I, and, and I understand why, but... And, and honestly, like being in the press box for Canada games and talking to people, there was a lot of negativity. And I just looked at him like, look, just let the process play out. Because I kind of saw the direction that they're heading. Like it takes a long time to develop 
and cultivate a new identity in international football, especially when the players don't get together. But I think he's getting the most out of what he has. Yeah. And and now all of a sudden you see a team, and you've heard this through the Canadian program for years, you need depth at every position. And now they're starting to get that. The back four is well-defined. The three-man midfield works, and it complements both Atiba and Will, most importantly, and Julian slots in, and that works. And then you have Kyle leading the line with two pacey players on the wings that can get up and down. Like... The system works for this team. So I think that the sum of all the parts, or the, the whole is greater than the, the, the Hold on. What am I trying to the, say here? The, the sum of all the parts is greater than the individual pieces. Sure. Um, you got it. You did it. That was a struggle. <laughs> but I think as long as you have that, you mitigate to a certain degree the gap in talent between teams. Exactly. And it, even though I think that this Canadian team has far more talent than ever before. Yeah. Scott Arfield now in the in the side. Arf, Arf. <laughs> I don't think Kyle Aaron's going to be in MLS for much longer. I think this guy's star is rising at an incredible clip. I let's put it this way: I hope he is because I think he can use some more polishing. Sure, sure. Couple, but like I, this year, next year, then see. But it's games like this where it's like you have the attention of a lot of people, not just yeah. in Canada, but some cats in Liga MX perhaps are also keeping close eyes. On Kyle Aaron and having a standout statement game in prime time. Are you calling a standout? I am calling it a Kyle wow. Aaron brace yes. to shock Mexico. Really? Yeah. 2-1. Really? Yeah. I don't know what's going to play out. I, I, I honestly have no clue how it's going to play out tomorrow night. I really like this Mexican team. I'm, I am a huge... Top to bottom, they are, they are the most talented. I know, I know he struggles in club football. For Porto, but I'm a huge Hector Herrera yeah. guy. I just, I, I just love the way he plays. Have you heard? Have you Hernandez is having a, a renaissance here? Oh your boy, your former my man. Bo- you, uh... boy. <laughs> it still hurts that over it. Man. That Louis Van Gaal gets rid of every striker on the team. That's okay. that's okay. Yeah, Chicharito's had, a, had an incredible season. Because if you don't, if you don't get a result at, at BC Place, you have the idea now. Of, and like, I'm not not to say you have to get points no. to qualify, but it would make things far more easier, and it also would make things a lot more comfortable when you're going to El Salvador for that final. It's going to be game. a cellar crowd. Yeah, you're playing on turf. Like, good turf. It, it, yeah, good turf, but turf still turf. Yeah, nonetheless, uh, it's a surface that this Canadian team played on in their first group game, and, yeah. and they came away with a victory. And, 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 and sure, a draw along the way hurt to a certain degree, but still at the same time, let's put it this way, there will not be a better opportunity for this Canadian team to come up with some kind of result. I'd I, I take a draw. I'd take, I'd, take I'd absolutely take a draw. We look at the U.S. with Josie and Michael playing Guatemala. What are you looking for from these two qualifiers? It's all what guarantee these guys are going to be in the hex. Well, it's, but. A, it's about Klinsman, who's on his team, and how he uses them. Like the the focus here is on the the manager, the, the like the head coach more than the players. Do you think that's that is his intention? Correct. He he wants to be a, a cult of personality guy. I guess. And does I, there, I don't. Does he believe that he has? Players who want to do that? Do do you know what I think? I think that the U.S. kind of overrates the talent that they have. Really? I think that the reaction and the venom that's kind of spit Klinsman way is a little bit aggressive to how good they actually are. That's probably fair based on results alone. No, I I don't get everything that he does. Like, I I really don't, and, and Klinsman does it his way. 
But it's whether or not he can continue to weave through the political mm-hmm. landscape that is American football. Like, it's not an easy place to be. And I think that some of the things that he does is more about maintaining power than actually making footballing sense. But who am I to criticize? Like, he, he'll be judged upon, well, not only World Cup qualifying, but how they fare in the Copa America. I was going to say, that is going to be a huge... How they do there will go a long way in determining... What his future is for Russia. Let's put it this way. If, if they do well, he's there. Yeah. He's, stay, he's staying around. He's not going anywhere. All right, Wills. I'm, I'm still more, I'm, I'm still more like, focused on the Canadian team. I, I expect a big performance from Atiba and Will. Yeah. And sorry to spin it back just for a second. You say that Kyle Aaron's going to have a, a, a big performance. For me, how good Canada does will come down to Atiba, who may be the best Canadian soccer player ever. Like He's, he's, he's in the conversation. And Will Johnson, who I think has got off to a really strong start to the season with TFC. He's the workhorse. And the back four for this team is surprisingly good. Like, Yakovic, he always impresses me. He's good on the ball. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I know that he's not the fastest player yeah. and he lacks the pace. but He's wise. He's smart. He is guile. I would say he is See, it, That's what hurts a league like MLS, too, is that you leave a, lose a player like him to go play in Japan. Yeah. Like, it's just... He loves it over there, though. I know he does. But Ian I, I, Hume back in the squad. I, I would love to see Ian Hume come on as a sub and right. former Carola Blaster star in the uh, the ISL. But I, I I can't wait until Oso comes back in at some point soon. and picks up a role. I think it's happening soon. If this is about sending a message, okay, message, message delivered. Message, like, and message, message received. received. Message received, opened. You know, it's like in BBM. You can see sure. once yeah, someone's yeah, yeah, read yeah. the message, it's been read. It's but been but read. when you look at it in... in you know, Oso for me is still good enough. But if you look at the squad, like whether it's Piet, you go, go down the team. There's a bit of a like, hole there for him. I still think that they're like I. I looked at this 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 group that's going to be playing in this game, and I'm like, I don't know if I've seen a deeper Canadian team. Great, it's big things, big things expected at BC Place. And there's going to be competition for yeah. spots now. The return leg goes down at Azteca Stadium, Mexico City. The following week is that on Tuesday? I wish I was going there. Is it on that. Tuesday? Uh, it's the following. Week. I don't. I don't. Ag- the 29th. Let's see. Yes. Yes, that is a Tuesday. All right. So the return leg at Mexico City, one of the most hallowed grounds in uh, international just, football. Just remember, so. last qualifying campaign, Mexico struggled. They did. They they really. Str- I was in Mexico like just on vacation for a couple of the games, and and there was a lot of tension to do with that team. So. Um, I think that this version is much better than that version, but we'll see how it all comes together. There's, they seem to thrive off turmoil, don't they? Yeah, like they always find a way. It's it's funny. I was just and it just doesn't really matter that much because I think being so concerned about like how, if soccer is actually in the consciousness of this country is a conversation we have a little too far often. I think for a, a thriving sport here, but if you can get a result against Mexico at home. And that might lead some some morning shows that aren't just sports related and be on the focal point of the news the following day. Yeah, goes but, and, and I'll and I'll say this like from a from a practical perspective, you want to get at least one result to make the last games of the group stage here mean something for Mexico. So yeah. they're playing players and playing a team that matters for the duration of the group. That matters because I'm I'm assuming that Canada is going to be playing to the end. All right, Wheels. Episode forty-two. Any bye week? What's what are you doing this weekend? You hanging? Honestly, it's Sunday. Prep? Sunday's my first day off. 
in about 30 something days wow so yeah enjoy I'm, it this man this, i guess united doesn't play so it's a so good day as well i'm gonna chill with the easter buddy right i'm not right. sure what we're gonna do and uh no we'll enjoy the international break a bunch of friendlies have gone on it's just awkward timing i guess it makes a lot more sense for world cup qualifiers than it does for the friendlies right now right and and let me just say this like i know that when we're looking at the Italian team today, no Javinko, no Pirlo, both players will be called back into the team before this summer. I hope else. so, because I watched that Italy-Spain game, and it was bordering on unwatchable mm-hmm. for a while. I know it's a meaningless friendly, but... Conte loves Javinko. Yeah. In like, I think he wanted to give a run to some of the domestic Serie A guys. Absolutely. He's doing the right thing. Yeah. This, this is what you do. It You yeah. do that now, fully understanding that the MLS season is just starting, and these players are just getting into fitness, getting into form. Right. So um, when I read that, as selfishly for TFC, I'm like, good. Good. Just like, I know oh, Seba course. wants to be there, yeah. but just let him rest. Um, all these road games are difficult. Yeah. And um, he's obviously long, the most important player. Colorado is a long trip, and you're going to have some of your, your stars – Going on some miles with Michael, Josie, and Will, right? So Guatemala. Yeah. So all right. Episode 42 is in the books. Thank you so much as always for joining us. You can download us on iTunes, Stitcher, or listen to us on SoundCloud. We'll be back next week to preview a big game against the Colorado Rapids. Thanks for listening.